This morning, I'm here with Sari Factor, who's CEO of Edgenuity. And uh, Sari, I'm really excited to have an opportunity to talk with you because you guys are in so many schools. You are in schools all across America. Let's start by just give me a, a little sense of the breadth of what you're doing. Edgenuity has been, you were previously known as E2020. That's right. And tell me where you were, where the company was, you know, five years ago, where you are now. Well, the company was founded in 1998. Uh, it, it was acquired uh, in 2011 when I came on as CEO. Uh, at the time, we were probably in about four or five thousand schools, and now we're in about seventeen thousand schools across the U.S. Wow! And when you go into a school, we're not talking about one teacher. We're talking about a full grade, a full class, a full school. What does it mean for you guys to be in a school? So you know, it may be a one-room schoolhouse. We have one district in Alaska where they literally have four high school students. Wow. But we're also in every middle school and high school in Miami-Dade County. So there's a huge variety of implementations, uh, breadth of customers, uh, every state in the country, I'm proud to say. It's pretty exciting to see the growth. That's great. Now, originally, E2020 was pretty heavy on remediation. It was a great tool if you wanted to help your kid get through something they didn't get through history or they maybe were having a hard time in school. Tell me a little bit about how much uh, that sort of history of remediation is playing in your current content and how you're, you're expanding beyond that now. Sure. Well, we were founded to provide education courses for kids who couldn't be in the classroom for one reason or another. Uh, initially it was kids who have behavior challenges, medical challenges. We grew very quickly as the online credit recovery market grew through the 2000s. Uh, but what we were finding is there were lots of other applications for our software that schools uh, desired. And those who saw the software and said, hey, we could use this for online and blended learning. We could use it in our virtual school as our curriculum uh, for the core instruction. So over the last five years, we've really created um, almost two versions of every course. So there is a credit recovery version of the course, and there is a, a more rigorous writing intensive course uh, for initial credit. We now have AP courses. Uh, we have honors courses for much of our curriculum, uh, and so we're getting adoption of a much broader kind of footprint of uh, edgenuity schools um, who are using our stuff. It's really, it's quite gratifying. That's great. And can you talk a little bit about outcomes, efficacy? What are you seeing from the kids who are going through Edgenuity's programs? Uh, the outcomes are generally quite good. I will tell you that outcomes are a direct result of good implementations. Mm. And so what do I mean by that? I mean paying attention to the data, making sure that students are on the computer and their time on the computer is active. We actually track active time and idle time and report that back to the educator in charge mm -hmm. uh, of the student, whether it's a teacher or a facilitator or a mentor or a coach. Mm -hmm. um, they can pull that data and parents can see that data too which is quite interesting is there a percentage that's like a golden percentage well you want them to be active when they're logged in you okay. don't want them to right. be opening other tabs and cruising other websites and all of that you want them focused on their learning hmm. I think I'll have to talk about this with my writers too <laughs> okay so we want them to be active all the time 
Um, and um, what about you know the long term? outcomes of these kids are you these kids are you know as we said originally it was credit recovery graduation from high school getting a degree what happens to them when they've gone through do you track the the long term unfortunately we don't and we really don't have a way to do that um, sometimes it's very difficult to even get graduation data from our clients you know what we see is the data in our system mm -hmm. uh, we definitely ask in a very proactive way uh, our clients to share with us test score data graduation data um, we can see course completions of course through our course through our uh, software um, but many are reluctant to give us data anecdotally it's pretty good mm -hmm. um, you know we are proud to say you know many of our clients report back to us on how many credits have been earned and how many more students they've been able to graduate we've got lots of efficacy data reported on our website so I encourage listeners to take a look at www.edgenuity.com if they want more information yeah and um, last piece is what have you learned about creating these courses over this time period? As you said, you've gone from doing the credit recovery to really now AP and sort of extensions and, and deeper learning. What's changed in how you construct the curriculum, the way you put it together, who puts it together? What, what have you learned? Well, we look very closely at the standards, of course, as we start. Um, but we strive to make the courses much more interactive than they had been prior to the you know, last five years. Mm -hmm. um, the, the videos themselves, the video instruction itself, it's short snippets with activities in between to check for understanding. Mm -hmm. um, lots of interactives. So our algebra course is something like over 500 different interactives that students can play with and get a sense of the relationships between, you know, between numbers and formulas and so on. Um, it's really, it, it, we hear from students and from teachers that the learning is deeper as a result of playing with those interactives and, and getting some experience with the content itself as opposed to just being lectured to. Um, and some of our videos in the past were quite lengthy. <laughs> so we, we had some work to do. Okay, we, so you shortened some of those long lectures. I, I, I broke them up, shortened, created new lectures that were much, much smaller. It's direct instruction, which is still important, yeah. but it is not the whole course by any means. And going back to implementation for one more moment, you said implementation is the key, that that's what makes the difference between an effective program and, and one that isn't. What have you learned about, you know, what, what's hardest for teachers and schools about implementing? Well, it's a whole change of mindset. You know, we talk about growth mindset with the kids. Well, many of the educators that we work with also need to have a growth mindset and really think about the whole change management that is required when a school decides to undertake something as big as a, a move to blended learning. So what does that mean, really? I mean, how much time should students be spending on the computer versus how much time in face-to-face -face instruction and how do those two things converge? Um, how does the data from one inform the other? Uh, so there are lots of questions and schools have to determine how they want to set up any blended learning program. So we work with schools to consult around that, uh, understand their goals, think about how they want to set up their program, and then help them to implement through intensive professional development. We offer coaching services. And, and you know we come in and help to monitor uh, through our blended learning services the, the kinds of progress that schools are making. So we can provide the services that wrap around 
the the actual software. Is it possible for a school to buy the software, not the services? Absolutely. But I mean, is it effective for a school to buy the software, not the well, services? Well, I would say if a if a school has a good vision, and sometimes they have other groups that are helping them to implement, it doesn't have to be a genuity. Got it. So, I mean, we have districts that we work with that bring in other consultants, and we're perfectly fine with that. Now, in a little bit of Back to the Future, you have a new program that's around uh, dropout prevention. Talk a little bit about what that is and how that's kind of built from the work that you've done in remediation and even the work that you've done about extension and going deeper. Well, I recently joined the board of the National Dropout Prevention Center and Network because I really liked their mission. Their focus is on prevention. So we certainly, we certainly work with a lot of districts that are focused on preventing dropouts and many that are trying to recover dropouts. Um, but I love the notion of proactivity and, and, and prevention. Um, when we see districts saying, before kids fail, like Henrico County, Virginia, is a great example of a district that, you know, they know that ninth grade is such a pivotal year. Before students fail, they start to see them, you know, slipping. They put them into a blended environment that is part edgenuity courses and part face-to-face -face instruction, um, and they are monitoring those students every step of the way. I love that approach to prevention. So when uh, I joined the board, I said to the, the folks there, how about if we offer a free membership? And we announced that today, free membership to any Ingenuity customer to the National Dropout Prevention Center. The resources uh, that they are research-based are available to any member. Um, just you know, go to the National Dropout Prevention Center website and see how to sign up, or you can sign up through the Edgenuity website. It's pretty exciting. Lots of resources there, all research-based. Um, it's a partnership with Clemson University. That is where the National Dropout Prevention Center is based, uh, and they are doing a lot of research about strategies for early intervention, uh, for how to use online. Online is just one of the many, many tools that educators have at their fingertips to prevent dropouts, and we want to be supportive of that. Do you have a do you have a school that sort of stays in your mind and your memory as a program where, you know, you guys made a difference and where things like the resources offered by the Dropout Prevention Center could really accelerate how they're trying to deal with challenges that they have with their students? You know, it, it's all over the country. I mean, one, one that comes to mind, I already mentioned, in Rico County, Virginia, but um, Jefferson Chamber Foundation in New Orleans uh, works with a very disadvantaged population, uh, and these students are, have already dropped out, and they are bringing them back, and they are using Edgenuity as the core curriculum, supplemented with a lot of caring adults, uh, teachers, mentors, um, and these kids are doing phenomenal things and going on to college after that program. Many of these kids come back, they're 18, 19, 20 years old, um, and the Jefferson Chamber School is doing great things for these people. You know, you think, hate to think about the wasted talent of these dropouts. Dropouts are three times more likely to be unemployed, eight times more likely to be incarcerated than a high school graduate. So we need to do everything we can to ensure that the kids graduate high school. Sorry, everybody talks about blended learning. Give me your definition. What do you, what do you call blended learning? Where do you see it being done well in the schools that you're working in? 
Well, blended learning, as, as you mentioned, is defined very differently by different schools. For us, we really think about some of the work is being student-directed online. Mm -hmm. Some of the work is offline, um, probably in a brick-and-mortar kind of situation. But the two need to be coordinated. And so the data from the offline and the online come together in a way so that both the student who's owning their learning and the teacher who's responsible for ensuring that the student is moving ahead has a very clear picture of what a student knows and what a student needs to learn. Um, so we deal with lots of different districts that are all at all stages of this evolution towards blended learning. Um, it's really important for them to be clear about what they want to accomplish. Get the stakeholders involved, parents, teachers, community members, students themselves. Um, and there has to be a common vision for where they want to take it. They have to really define which students do they think are best suited for a blended learning environment. It may not be right for all the kids. And what's a, what's a sign of someone who's not right for blended learning? Um, you know, some students need that all the time, kind of face-to-face -face traditional instruction. In other cases, you know, some, a lot of students get left behind. They're sitting in a, you know, class of 30, and they're sitting in the back row and not engaged. And, you know, when you are on the computer and you have to answer every single question, suddenly every student is accountable for their own learning in a very different way. So that combination actually works well for most kids. It's just a question of to what degree. So, you know, one example, uh, we've been working with Tift County, Georgia now for, this is our second year with them uh, in blended learning. I think they would acknowledge, as many others, as it's been an evolution. Year one was, a, you know, a little rocky as they get started. They pick a cohort of teachers to work with. We have our coaches and consultants that go in and meet with them. They set goals and then, you know, come back like every four to six weeks. Um, you know, it is a constant evolution, what's working, what's not. Ask the teachers, ask the students, ask the parents, you know, for the feedback. Um, it's, it's a huge change management challenge, really, to move into a completely new environment of any, of any kind. But blended learning is one example of something that it, it, you're really changing the way everything is done. In a, in a school or classroom. Uh, is there a kind of a golden ratio, either size of school to that size of cohort that starts it? I mean, you've seen, as you said, this is about change management, and you need to have a couple of uh, teachers who are really willing to put in the work and then can sort of tell that story more broadly. Does it help if it's two out of 200? Does it help if it's you know, 10 out of 200. Is there some kind of a ratio that makes sense that you've seen? I, you know, I'm a fan of starting small, mm -hmm. but not too small, because I think there needs to be a community of educators that are learning about this together. And learning and solving together the so problems they can together. share their observations with each other. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's almost like any major organizational shift or organizational change. Pilot. Start with a pilot. Start with the coalition of the willing, if you will. You know, who are the who are the teachers that are most enthusiastic about making the change? Because they will overcome the obstacles. Right. They will have that positive attitude, that growth mindset about, you know, how am I going to help the students achieve, and what do I need to do 
what do we need to do to, to make the kind of change we're, we're seeking? And what are a couple of flagship schools, schools where, you know, they've, they did that. They did the early pilot, they learned, they've really embraced it, and they're going forward. What, what are your well, favorites? A, a couple of my favorites are in the state of Georgia. Uh, Tift County and Henry County, Georgia are really doing some incredible things for kids. We see a lot of excitement there. Um, so I would look to them as real leaders in the space. Um, East Pennsboro School District in Pennsylvania. Uh, they, they're in their first year. They studied for a year and they you know, went to INAC Hall and you know, talked to a lot, of, a lot of educators in different states who were doing blended learning and took a lot of the lessons from other districts. You know, we try to hold these blended learning summits across the country so allow the educators to talk to one another about what's working, what challenges they had, how they overcame them. So I think you know it's very instructional to hear from other educators more than it is to hear from a company like ourselves. Um, and that's been very, very effective. And the last question is, what about working with other tools? I mean, Ingenuity offers such a broad uh, sweep of curriculum. Um, what if a teacher says, yeah, I like that, but gosh, I wish I could also use tool XYZ. Do you, you know, play nice with other EdTech products? We, we try to play nice. Um, we actually this year opened up the platform so you can customize courses. You can put links to other things into uh, our courses through the prom our prompt feature. Um, it's pretty exciting. We will see. We've been piloting for the last year. We've had several uh, districts, about 40 districts in uh, beta, and we will release to the public uh, this fall for back to school. So it's pretty exciting. Terrific. We'll look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you.